Cicero, Marcus Aurelius, and the medieval Christianity of Augustine, Benedict, and Aquinas. The statue of a proud comp is big, very big. There are two small figures at his feet. To the left is a forlorn Greek boy with his lyre resting in his lap, superseded, no longer played. To his right is Mary, the Christ child in her arms, but she doesn't look down at baby Jesus. She gazes upward in rapt adoration of Auguste Copte. On the day I saw this monument, a real-life pigeon was perched on Comte's head to do what pigeons do. <laughs> the pigeon's name was Paul. But the so-called wisdom Paul rejected wasn't about reason in search of truth. It was prescriptive philosophy, guidelines to how to succeed at life. When Ben Franklin said, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, he was paraphrasing one of those first century adages that Paul called the wisdom of the world. Now, religious prescriptions for a happy life still abound. Example, Robert Schuller's Be Happy Attitudes and Joel Osteen's Prosperity Gospel. Such secular advice available on Amazon includes the seven habits of highly effective people, think and grow rich, the 48 laws of power, and multiple guides on how to make our spouses affectionate, our children obedient, and our bank accounts flush. <laughs> now, I will admit there is some sound advice in there. It would, I would be a rank hypocrite to condemn it all, not while I eat a brain-healthy diet, breathe my way into peace, and keep a warehouse of nutritional supplements. So, floss, eat kale, wear sunscreen, fine. But Paul says there are limits to what life prescriptions can do. Too many things are beyond our control. Genetics, family history, economic constraints, random luck. We should drive down life's highway carefully, but we aren't the only drivers on the road. Other people run red lights. Accidents happen. Driving carefully just improves our odds. Call it entropy, fate, bad luck, or Murphy's Law. Christians say life has a cross in it. Must Jesus spare the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we suffer. Eventually we die. That's the cross. But you know who we meet at the cross? Jesus. In him, God doesn't stand apart from our messy lives. Poet Christian Wyman says, God enters 
and understands human suffering. He can't float above the pain we are mired in. He means God doesn't sit fat, dumb, and happy in eternal serenity. God loves us too much to abandon us in our hard times. So God joins us in it. When we falter, that's our cross. It's Jesus' cross too. Our cross, his cross, it's the same cross. Now times of trouble aren't the only place we meet him, but they're where we need him most. I've had times of trouble. You have too. Maybe you've got troubles today. So let's look at the Beatitudes. I'm going to paraphrase Matthew, but I promise you I'm paraphrasing him fairly. Blessed are the depressed, the grief-stricken, the downtrodden. In Luke it says, blessed are the impoverished, the malnourished, the crying. Jesus never says, blessed are the winners, the good-looking, and the rich. It's blessed are the losers, the afflicted, the anxious. Life guaranteed, deals us our share of sorrow. When hardship happens, Jesus meets us there. When we bleed, he bleeds, we bleed together. Now, Jesus doesn't cause our suffering. The world does that. But Jesus redeems our suffering by investing it with spiritual value. This isn't always comforting, We may not even feel his presence. Jesus isn't Xanax. If you need Xanax, take Xanax. (laughs) This isn't about feelings. It's about our soul's union with God. Jesus redeems our suffering by making it the common ground where we meet our source and our destiny, the meaning, the value, and the beauty of life itself. That's the communion of compassion. Compassion means suffering with. In Christ Jesus, we find a God whose core self is compassion. Now, for the communion of compassion to happen, the sacrament we ritually celebrate today and spiritually celebrate in daily life Bread must be broken. Sacraments break us, bless us, put us back together in a more compassionate way than send us out into the world as couriers of grace. In R.S. Thomas' poem about the sinking of a fishing trawler, he says to Jesus, you were there also at the water that was too steep for the ground. You have made an altar at the deck of the lost trawler whose spars are your cross. There is a sacrament there. Our cross, Jesus' cross, the same cross. That's communion. That's the sacrament. 
When we suffer alongside Jesus, our souls bleed into God, our source and our destiny, the meaning, the value, and the beauty of life itself. At the cross, we meet Jesus, and to know Jesus is better. It is better than being healthy, wealthy, and wise. A high school music teacher, Rhea Miller, said in a humble, simple poem, only decades later put to music, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. Amen.